Welcome back to another week of Meredith with a Y. I am your host, Meredith Willits, and I am here with one of my besties from TikTok, Eugene West Jr. He is here to talk about his life living with HIV AIDS and everything in between. So stay with us. Hello, everyone. This is Meredith with a Y, and I am your host, Meredith Willits. Today, we are going to go deep, changing lives, and I am giving you the keys to the castle. Eugene, thank you so much for being here today. I'm super excited to have you. We just had a technical error, so I appreciate you sticking with me. You're such a blessing, and I'm excited to have this conversation today. Round two, right? Round two. (laughs) Hit record, Meredith. (laughs) Awesome. Glad you're doing it. Yes, I am. Definitely. I'm going to say it again, though, just because it should be on record. Like, you're my blessing. To be able to communicate, like we were talking about, that means a lot to me, coming from many different standpoints of my trials and my life. I've always felt like there's not somebody they can relate or talk to or and to have open dialogue with, you know, two people is tremendous, let alone 14,000 for me. You know what I mean? I'm having yeah. dialogue with so many people and it's tremendous. And before that, it was, you know, drug addiction and helping that community and all those things. So you're my blessing to be able to let people know that I might cry a lot. I might be very emotional, but it's all real. You know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. me and it's allowed, you know, I'm a guy, I'm allowed to cry what I've been through has been emotional, challenging, new, my dad, you know what I mean? All these yep. waters are unchartered, you know, yeah. and wherever it's bringing me where you're part of it now, you know, so welcome to my world. <laughs> you know, I I, I'm it. more than happy to talk about anything, you know, really open I, book. And I always, I always think transparency and sensitivity is what the world needs so much more of just be completely clear and sensitive to other people and the world will start to get better, you know, but people just yeah. don't want to talk. No. And you're, and you're such a huge component of that. And like I said, when I first saw you on TikTok, I was like, I got to talk to this guy. Like I need like raw, you're vulnerable. You're like, I'm living with HIV AIDS. I'm like, holy crap, this is unbelievable. Like we, we hide our, our pimples, you know, and you're like, no, I'm bringing all of it. You know what I mean? Like we live in a world of perfection and you're like, no, this is this is all of me. And so if we can go back kind of to the beginning of, I mean, where you are today is where you are today, which is sharing your story with thousands and thousands of people on social media to try to help the world and bring more love to the planet. But this isn't where you started by any stretch of the imagination, right? I mean, right. Oh, I mean, there and beyond, you know what I mean? It's not with, with my father passing recently, it's a big thing is like the life that I created in my head when I was six is not the life that I have. You know what I mean? Like, it's so hard to think everything I've been through and growing up, you know, when you're 10, that takes forever for a day. And then when you're 20, it's twice as fast in a day, you know, mm-hmm. so now at 45, I've lost a parent. I'm dealing with a, a, a ter- right now, you know, a terminal illness that will take my life, you know, regardless of how it's looked at, it's going to break my immune system. It will take my life, you know, and that's something that I, talk about that way. I'm not going to live in some fantasy world that, you know, it's not going, I'm going to get pneumonia just like everybody else who's ever died of AIDS. You know what I mean? It's just a condition and advancements and things like that have, have, I mean, leap, we'll talk about that in a minute, like leaps and bounds, you know, all from 40 years of research in my predecessors to the COVID pandemic to, you know what I mean? Just general science and belief in intelligence, you know what I mean? And now they're right on the cusp of a cure for HIV and long overdue, you know? So I think talking about my pimple on my face, there are people who went through being disowned and there are people who, you know what I mean, are shunned. And I, I get that every day. I do. I, I just made a TikTok about it maybe last week. 
somebody contacted me like on a hookup site or whatever and said, oh, somebody told me you had AIDS or HIV. And I sat there and I, I thought, wow, well, hello, how are you? You know what I'm saying? Because I'm so vocal and open about it. I mean, there's no, I go anywhere. We were in an hour to a half away yesterday and the waitress knew me. Like, you know what I'm saying? And it's just Ohio, but like how the logarithm places you where it places you, right. you know, people will right. recognize me or they care that I'm burdened at the moment just the moment you see it's not all day 24 seven, you know, but I share what I'm going through because I remember where it started. And that would be being bullied as a kid, you know, for being skinny, being poor, you know, being the baby of the family, you know, living 30 miles away from the school. So everybody could be hanging out and I couldn't, you know what I mean? All those different dynamics made me, me. And so I turned to my mother, my father, and, and you know, I, I loved them and my family and got crafty and artistic and, you know what I mean? And handy, you know, and kind of just built my own inner personality where I didn't put on a front to other people, but I also knew that they were belittling me or they were hurting me and it wasn't on me, it was them, but it still hurt. You know what I mean? It's still, you still lose sleep when you're 15 years old, you know, and they're telling you you're gay and you don't even know what that means, you know, <laughs> like whatever. Mm -hmm. So that, that was the first, you know, I moved it after seventh grade or eighth grade where all these people were my friends. I mean, they were my buds, you know what I mean? Loved them to pieces. And still to this day, I talk to more of them from first through seventh grade than I do anybody I went to high school with. And that's tremendous to me. I'm going to just give her a plug because right now, so I, when I was in third grade, there was a girl named Kim and I just had the, the man crush on her. You know what I mean? She was a cat's meow. It was just so cute. And I walked by her house every day to school. And then I walked back to my mom's job after school. And uh, she was always so sweet. And so I gave her, we used to play Munchichis in the, in the you know recess. And uh, I gave her this unicorn with a topaz in it. And so like, it's like this big, it's so tiny. And my dad had heart procedures, maybe like 20 years ago, probably. And so mm -hmm. I walked in and she was like the nurse that was running the computer. And I, I was like, and we lived like 20 minutes apart, you know, but I had been gone for 20 years because I've been, you know, living my life in, you know, Columbus. So I was like, oh my God, shut up. And she goes, do you remember that? Do you remember the munchie cheese? And do you remember giving me that unicorn necklace? And I'm like, yeah, of course I do. And she goes, I still have it. And she had it and she sent me a picture of it. And she still, I swear to you on my life, Meredith, I swear. Right. So with my dad passing, I'm going through all of our family photos because I'm that, that person. I mean, yeah. I, I have everybody's life, all documented births, everything, babies coming out of, you know, places they were supposed to come out of, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I found my third grade grade card and I didn't look at any of the grades. I didn't care. Just open. I was like, Oh wow. My grade card. And inside it was the Valentine she gave me. Mm. I'm 45 years old. You know what I mean? Uh. So I'm making a, making a TikTok about like, and we still, we still talk and she's beautiful and you know, she's, she's kind and I couldn't have picked a better first crush and to still like giggle and laugh and like, even just a little blurb, you know what I mean? I love yeah. her to death. So that was probably my last really good experience with people. You know what I mean? From there, it was being bullied for being skinny and then the new school. And I wanted to go to college and my family is not we're not well to do to put me through school, you know, period. Yeah. Plus I went to college at 17. So my parents had to sign all the student loans, everything. And that put them in, you know, if you don't do this, you're going to fail. We'll lose everything. And I didn't finish it. And I, you know, it all came back to me, but college was an accomplishment for me. So I went to college then my mom went to college. So my mom was the second person to go to college ever. And I was the first, and then she was the first to graduate. So she beat me. So, you know, I got a biology degree. College was really, I didn't want to be anywhere near here because it was so toxic. I was teased so bad in high school. I went to Teal College in Pennsylvania. It was a Lutheran school and I won class president and homecoming king as a write-in. And then the rumors started there that I was gay. And I hadn't even, even touched the dude yet. Like it wasn't even like on the forefront of my mind. It was really just to get to college. It was right. really to better myself as a person, to become a, a, a worker bee. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Whatever it was, a dentist is what I wanted to be. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, so I wound up transferring because I was hazed in a fraternity. So once again, I went to join like the brotherhood and they were, you know, pinging me with ice balls in the middle of the forest of, you know, Pennsylvania. Then I went on Montel Williams and I told that story and I, I exposed that a little bit and felt better about it. And I just realized there that truth will always set you free. Do you know what I mean? I didn't do anything wrong and asked because I'm skinny, tiny. And I was a national cross-country runner. I was homecoming king, class president as a freshman. Wow. So I, I mean, I was made for great, you know, as a writer. And that's amazing to me. Like, I'm so proud of that. My personality there was my personality. It still is. But there people loved it and accepted it. And, you know, it was kind of like, oh, we're in college. The minute you had to go try to be something that maybe you weren't like a fraternity brother or, you know, best runner or whatever, when right. you start to go and overcharge yourself, you know, you have a debt you can't pay, you know? And so I wound up transferring, went to Disney world and I worked and that was where I had my first like boyfriend mm-hmm. and his family was Puerto Rican. So I was not allowed to, he was not allowed to be himself. And I came home for Thanksgiving and I went back and he, his mom had sat him down with like a preacher or a rabbi. And a, you know what I mean? Like literally that yeah. joke that and so I, that ended that. And I drove home that night. Like I flew in that day and I drove home that night. You know, my parents were like, why are you home? I, that's when I told my parents verbally out loud that I was gay. And I told my mom and I was facing into the bedroom and my mom was facing outward. And my dad was behind me. And I didn't know that. And I said, what is it my dad going to think? You know, because my dad's like, he's military, you know, and he's a very, he's a very cool dude. And uh, she said, don't worry about it. He already knows he's right behind you. And they both hugged me. So it's never been a coming out of the closet. It's never been anything more than who I am. And we had our conversation in the beginning of us talking and you had said something to, to the effect of, I've always loved you for who you are. Do you know what I mean? Like my parents, maybe they knew I was gay before I knew, I don't know if that's possible, you know, cause I know many people who are super gay looking, but have, you know, a lovely family and they're just, that's who they are, you know, feminine or whatever. Cause there's this label on everything about everything. masculinity and femininity and weight and image and, you know, color. And it's toxic. It's just so toxic. So that was probably the, a, a great experience. My brothers have never had an issue with it. Nothing. So I, I transferred to Bowling Green, which is about an hour from my house, much closer. They put me in a fraternity house, <laughs> housing issues, like back to the drama there, you know, that didn't work out too well. And so I started living with like girls and became like a little fr- frat boy, you know, house cleaner and things like that. Yeah. And I then got, I was a house boy, a house boy. That's what it was for Delta Gamma, be- the beauty girls. And uh, I was in Toledo and I was leaving a bar with my boyfriend who was a drinker, Meredith. I mean, not they like walking beverages to walk the dog and then came home and refilled it. And then took the dog for a walk again. <laughs> you know, right. like, I mean, just, and that was my experience with alcohol, you know, and I'm like, I'm going to show him up. So I was working at the Outback and we got a little tipsy, you know, working and we went out that night, October for, well, it was, uh, September 31st or whatever. We left the bar at midnight and I, I walked out and there was this car that drove by and they were like cattle calling, harassing, you know, slurs and, you know, all, everything you can imagine. Yeah. And uh, it was, the girl said, are you fronting my man? And I said, what do you mean fronting my man? Like I was not being dumb. I was a intoxicated, be new to that world of ignorance where people yell shit at each other. Mm-hmm. Cause I just, better at that time it was 20 something 30 no 21 21 right. uh, so somebody got out of the back seat of the car around the corner and they beat me pretty badly i fell to the ground i was a uh, hit over the head i had I have scars on my forehead and uh, i was the first gay bash guy in the state of ohio where they charged him with a hate crime wow and it was crazy on energy levels and you know psychic and you know whatever they couldn't find the car and how to get the guy who hit me you know what i'm saying to charge him with everything so all it was is somebody had like part of the license plate one day I was driving down and I had to turn left and I turned left and I saw this car so the cops went to those people and said if you don't turn in this kid 
we're going to take your children and, you know, you're going to have issues from this journey because you're pinpointed there. Your car is there, right? They found him and they, uh, con- they convicted him of hate crime, but I gave him every opportunity. He had to go back to school. He had to get, you know, finish his, you know, high school diploma. He had to not have another DUI, you know, like, and he was like maybe 20 and he had like three DUIs. Like what wow. was he even doing? Driving? He wasn't driving that night, but like he was, you know, obviously clearly screwed up and drunk, just total WT. And I'm not saying that in a judgmental way, <laughs> you know, like just every level of it. So I made him have to do 500 hours at an AIDS hospice center or somewhere where he would see people go through challenge and strife being not loved, even if it was just that, because I didn't even know if they had an AIDS clinic in, you know, 1999, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, right. if that was a thing, because it was so much more under control, but I thought it would be important for him to see people sick with cancer in hospice or, you know, whatever it was, because somewhere he was disconnected, clearly. Clearly. So he then, and he had to pay my restitution for my plastic surgery and hospital bills and all that, which was maybe like $13,000, not a lot. And he didn't do anything. He didn't go back to school. He didn't get his high school diploma. He didn't get anything. So the judge called him back on on a warrant, which he avoided for, I don't know, two months. And then they got him back finally. And the judge said that he, he should look to my left and thank me for being such a kind man that I am because he would throw the book at him. And so then he sentenced him to, you know, 10 years in prison. He got out after eight. Wow. So. And I've, he's not allowed anywhere, like obviously, you know, but nowhere near, he can't know anything about him. If he goes, leaves where he's from in uh, Toledo near me, they know where I'm at. You know what I'm saying? So if he says, I'm going to move to Columbus, which I'm not there anymore. Right. You know, and that's forever. That's like, it's literally, a, that's a hard thing on your record. Hate crime. You know what I mean? That's ugly. Yeah. You know? So um, from there, I moved to Columbus because I didn't want to be, I didn't want to feel under fear all the time because of gangs or what I, everybody obviously not knew I was, you know, the guy who puts people in prison for, you know what I mean? Beating them. So I moved to Columbus and I, at this point, I've never really had had a boyfriend and I soon made, you know, the love of my life. He just, I adored him and it took a while to get together. And we spent the next 10 years of our life together. He came home one day and said, I can't do this anymore. And I said, do what? And I literally, as I'm wearing a yellow shirt, this, and he walked out the door and I never spoke to him again. He never told me why. He never told me what I could improve on. He never told me anything. Literally, those were his last words to me. I tried to get him to have lunch, dinner, give because now I had to empty the apartment. You know what I'm saying? Because we can't obviously get together and he won't speak to me and I can't pay for this apartment. So I'm going to move him with my best friend. And his dad dies, falls down an elevator shaft at Scott's Law and Miracle Grove. What? No shit. On New Year's Eve. So now we have us breaking up on the 18th of December, his father dying on New Year's Eve. We're clearly not going to talk ever again, you know, and I went through such raw, broken love, emotion, like 10 years of my life, like a starter wife to the max level. He was making like a dollar 28 as an intern, you know, in this accounting firm and his aunt created the software. So that went really big. And he wound up having a career with it where he was making probably close to six figures. I don't even know. After 10 years, I had no idea what my partner's making, driving a Lexus, driving a Pontiac, you know what I mean? Something wasn't right. So he part of the story is, you know, where I got HIV from, I don't know. So here's one piece of it. He was traveling a lot for work and I would help pack his bags or unpack his bags. Cause I'm that, I'm that sweet person. I really am. I'm hundred percent that genuine. Your day goes better. My day's happier, you know? And I would find like condoms in his luggage. And I'm like, why would he have, you know what I mean? I didn't put them in there. And where did right. he go? And he was like, I went to a bar and, you know, say Chicago there on the counter. I just took them because of whatever. And I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I bought too much into it. I don't know. But to this day, now what I know about him is he's incredibly sexually active and has the same problems I had. And if he was traveling to those places, I can't rule that out. You know what I mean? I can't. So that's a, that's a component of this is that you don't know where you contracted HIV 
and, yeah. and also you were in a committed monogamous supposedly relationship. So you weren't getting tested regularly. Right. So you right. have no idea what the timeline was because he could have so got it dated. the day before you broke up. I mean, who knows? I mean, right? who knows? He maybe right. he didn't even if he if he, and I'll say that very freely and comfortably if he knew he had it and if he does have it and maybe he didn't know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There, there's yeah. all with HIV. There's such there's so many moving parts to it and such a window before you know you're ill and not everybody responds the same way when it merges. You know, the RNA to your DNA makes you viral. You know, it's it's literally like a TikTok video. You just don't know when it's going to explode. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Seriously. And uh, mine took 10 years. You know, they say anywhere up to 10 years. So if we dated 2000 to 2010, roughly, I got sick in 2016. They said anywhere from seven to 10 years. That puts me in a year mark right. of him. Now, granted, that year would also me be heartbroken and, you know, being a whore and all those things, you know, it would. So right, I after that, get... I mean, it wasn't like that was the only person that you'd ever been with until right. the day that you tested positive. I you mean, also the, were single that. again. And then, right, right. And uncomfortably unhappy and insecure. And I turned to, you know, people and cock and booze and drugs. Do you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like for comfort, I wasn't nowhere near my family. I had been complete, all of our friends, you know, they always choose sides and somebody loses. That's right. one, that's one hard fact about a marriage, anything else. Everybody's going to get all the friends, just be prepared, you know? <laughs> and that's, you know, I didn't get any of them and that was, it was okay. But I, I decided somewhere I had to totally destroy myself and rebuild myself. So he didn't know me. So mm. I changed cigarette smoke, the way I smoke cigarettes or you're like from uh, Marlboro's to camels, you know, to, you know, all these things, my confidence, you know, I would not go focus on the gym, which is he was a gym bunny. And, you know, like I just started trying to be more social with people and maybe try to find that person that is supposed to be my soulmate. Cause I obviously was making a big, huge mistake with him. So I literally in the next from 2011, 2010, 2011, to 2015, I moved 23 times Wow! in six years, five and a half, six years. So in that, there was always people who were offering me, you know, drugs, who were offering me, you know, sex, who were offering me a place to live if I gave them drugs or sex, you know, and it, it became a trap house situation. It became human trafficking. It became so much for, you know, being lied to by people. Oh, just stay here. You can stay here. And then literally taking the, the pad or the fob off my keys for the alarm to the house. So I couldn't leave the house. Oh, wow. I mean, they flattened my tires for a job interview. They, I mean, slanderous, rude, disrespectful remarks. They would give you bad, you know, drugs as like acrylic nail polish powder versus the drug because they look so similar, you know, like the oh. whole world is just, it's a shady shit show, you know, and it's, you know that when you're doing drugs, like, you know, this is not, you don't get your money back. You know, if it's garbage, you know, if it's, if it's basil. You're going right. to go make some spaghetti, right. you know, <laughs> Breaking up, right. <laughs> You're not gonna, and no next time to smoke it with them. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like that way, you know, like whatever the rules are that you learn to live by that you can handle from the amount of money you spend to the not true relationships that you are hoping are true. And I got your back kind of stuff. Right. And it, it doesn't last, you know, it doesn't ever, it doesn't end well yet for anybody that I know. So I wound up sleeping with, and I'm just, I know it sounds like it's crazy and I, I get it, but just a different person every day for almost seven years. Wow. So, and it was literally, and it was because I'm young. I, I mean, I mean, I was 20, well, I was thirties. You know what I mean? I was attractive. I was outgoing. You know what I mean? So it was always, I was always somebody to do something with. And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't always intercourse sex. Do you know what I mean? Right. But there was always some kind of something going on, you know, right. but where I could have gotten HIV from it. I didn't start using like needle drugs until probably like 2013. 
So three years after he broke up with me and that's the next enter where I probably got it from was my friend was the, the drug dealer. You know, so that I cut everybody out. Like I just didn't need to do that. I went right to the source, you know, right. friends. And he did have my back for a lot of things. And, and I care about him still to this day. We just cannot be friends. Right. It's like, you know, it's things that he said to my parents and that did. And, you know, people bring your parents into your drug game. That's craziness. You right. Know, your parents don't need that worry and you should get your shit together if that's happening, you know? So that's just a big sign too. So I remember he was going to, I would, I've never to this day still shot myself up, use intravenous drug ever. I can't like, I get my blood work done all the time. You know that. And I'm like, Oh no, I don't want, I don't, can't do it. Like I cannot do it. So he would always do it for me. So I remember one specific time that he said that, Oh, I think this could be one that, you know, he used on a guy who I knew had HIV. Oh, that's wow. Possible. Now I thought there's, I can't get it. I mean, it's like how many people I'd slept with at this time. It's been six years of sleeping around. Do you know what I'm saying? And not being responsible, also not being tested. <laughs> you know what I mean? Last time I was tested was, you know, 2000, probably seven when I worked in a doctor's office. So give or take that three year before we broke up, you know, I'm thinking I'm happy, monogamous, healthy, don't need to, you know, live in the Cinderella Suburban dream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, <laughs> let's go to the townhouse and eat, you know, cakes. Like, come right. on, are we having a party tonight? Great. You know, let's go make dinner, you know, take the dog to the vet, you know? So it never, it never occurred to me, even with a biology degree, that one pencil lead speck in the size of a quarter will give you HIV. Do you know wow. what I'm saying? Like it didn't process in my head, you know, because there's rumors and, and you know, misinformation, like HIV dies when it hits the air. So does every other thing else. You know what I mean? Then how does it live? Do you know what I mean? Viruses have, you know, some sustainability on every surface on, you know, the air, mucous membranes, blood, you know, semen, all that stuff. So that's, that's one strong possibility. And then another one at the same time frame, I met this guy online who was from Texas and incredibly gorgeous and incredibly sweet. And he was very open and told me, you know, that he had, and I it didn't, I don't care. I didn't care at that point. I either thought I couldn't get it or we were too high to it's a matter, you know, right. whatever that was 2014, 15 ish. I got, then, uh, I set a car on fire cause somebody stole from me. So I thought it'd be smart and put like a little, you know, cat or a dog treat thing with a, like that much gasoline in it and put it on top of this car. And I set it on fire. He got in the car, drove away down the street on the highway, two miles and two and a half hours later, his car had been burnt down. So obviously, clearly he went and did it himself. So he said that the gas went down the windshield into the firewall. That's what a firewall is for. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like come on. You, like when the, when the detectives showed me the pictures, I, I'll post them. I had no idea what it was I was looking at. No idea. It literally looked like a melted sandwich bag with coil in it. And that was like the seats. And then they showed me the hood and it was like sprayed with the white foam from the police, from the fire. It was, I didn't know what it was. I was like, what are you showing me? I didn't do that. So right then now I'm, I've turned against society. Do you know what I mean? Cause I didn't do that, you know, and right. they didn't want to hear anything of it. And I get that. I brought the fire to the party. I get it. I get it now. You know, you don't do those things, but at that time I felt, wow, this is felony arson. So it was in front of my house, which was across from a school in a private district with an apartment complex. So it was literally every charge of arson you can get for endangering people's lives, city buildings, you know, the fire, the spot, all of it, you know, and then endangering him, like not attempted murder, but you know, like pretty much. He never went to court one time. It wasn't his car. It lasted two and a half years in court and trial. I was on probation. I had to have drug tests every Wednesday and Saturday or Sunday. I had to call and my color was blue, B-L-U-E, you know? And so that's become a family joke. You know what I mean? Like, what's your favorite color? B-L-U-E, you know, all the time. <laughs> And 
in that still didn't know I was sick at, at all. And that was my first apartment. I had lived on my own out of the trap houses. I got my own dog and that's where the money was going to get my dog neutered the next day. And so he stole the money and I was pissed and I retaliated. And from there, maybe three more drug charges. You know what I mean? From everything from possession to, you know, paraphernalia, nothing like nothing heroin. It was, you know, always meth. It was never weed, no booze, like no DUIs, nothing. And always my parents stood by my side. You know, they didn't come get me out of jail. Don't get me wrong. You know what I mean? And I spent Christmas in jail. I spent, you know, lots of, lots of bad experiences in jail, you know, because of my mouth, because I manifested, I don't want to be home for Christmas. And sure enough, I wasn't home for Christmas. You know what I mean? It was, that was, I had Homeland Security coming to my house. (laughs) Wow. Like you can imagine gay pride events in Columbus, Ohio, which is a huge city for the whole nation. You know, Chicago's up there with them. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a big place to go. Literally they knock on my door on pride Saturday. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm like, what? Oh shit. There's a bunch of gay boys running around in underwear, you know, I'm like, hold on, you know, and I, I, (laughs) I, what do you say when you open the door? Hi, Steve. You know what I'm saying? Literally. He was a really cool, really, really great probation officer. And he, to this day, I still talk to him because I think he guided me with the confidence that I can do this. I can be, I can get better. Do you know And I wasn't even sick with HIV? I was just on drugs, you know, right. I had a great lawyer, Mitch, and he was very like openly gay. And I, like, I would have married him. He's cute and adorable and a lawyer and, you know, but just it was not, we were not available and compatible ever to even think about it. Cause now he's my public defender, you know? <laughs> right. Um, Hi, nice to meet you, mom. (laughs) Where'd you meet him? Court. (laughs) (laughs) So I got out of jail. I did, I think like, like three days, it was over a long weekend or four days. And my phone was full of messages, like max out, which was like, you know what? 17 messages back then, 20 messages, you know? And everybody was like, why are you, why are you, why are you in the newspaper? Why are you, where are you at? Are you okay? Why are you on the cover of Cuffed Magazine? Busted Magazine cover. Oh my God. Arson, name and arson. So that was, keep in mind, my parents didn't know where I was either. So now they're getting a phone call. Um, oh, I was charged with arson. You know what I mean? So that was, once again, they supported me, saw me all the way through it. And I, they lowered it to vandalism, you mm-hmm. know, and I restitution, I have to pay restitution, but it's not his car. So she has to sue me and I'm not going to pay them. Like, the, you know what I mean? It wasn't, no, dude, blah, blah, blah. He slandered me on TikTok. He's got it on my Facebook page. I mean, it's oh, just, wow. and that's 10 years ago, you know, like. And I get, and it was the, it was like one of those Cutlass eighty fours or whatever, you know what I mean? Like it was a, a car with a number, you know. And it was, I mean, hit, tore up, like not worth three dollars. I went to the BMB and I, you know, asked if they could tell me how much the value of the car was when he purchased it, you know. And you can't unless you have like five pieces of information, right? So I had like four, and the woman's like, "Here, look down," you know, just like give me that last piece of information. And they paid like a dollar. Now they didn't really probably pay a dollar, but right. now they're screwing the government. So like I'm like, hey. You know, like, why do I have to pay, you know, $4,000 for a car that's maybe $250, you know? Right. And then I digress. It's still not paid. It never will get paid. I don't care. And so the judge on that case, he was uh, African-American. The guy who I car I said was African-American, my attorney, me and the gay, another guy, we're all gay. I got the book thrown at me. I mean, I, for as long as it took to settle it to down to vandalism. I mean, I, he was harsh on me, like mean. The judge was mean, and, but I guess I deserved it, you know, but Later, the next day after I'm sentenced, now this is a Supreme Court judge. Do you know what I mean? This is not just like a, you know, this is felony court, big time. I can go to prison. Do you know what I mean? I'm scared shitless. He gets busted for sexual harassment by his bailiff the day after I'm sentenced. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know how mad I am at the world? Like, do you understand, Meredith? Like, you got to be kidding me. 
cover of a magazine. You know what I mean, I'm, I'm single, lonely, sad, defending myself, protector of myself. You know, here I go. And then he is sexually harassed. She video recorded it, sent it to the news. It was all over the place. Oh my so God. I'm like, can I file an appeal? You know what I mean? Like, cause obviously he's not a good judge, you know? So I never have done that. I'm just going to let it be, let sleeping dogs lie. And then my world happened. Then I started to get very shitty with my mom and dad, very short, needing money all the time. Not that I wasn't working. I was working. I'm a great waiter. Could you imagine me waiting on your tables? Oh my God. People right. would tip me money like it's craziness and I'm speedy and I'm good. And I'm on meth and I'm, you know, I'm happy, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, I just got laid last night. I'm working, you know, whatever. And my, my dad had heart surgery and I came home for it. It was like robotic heart surgery. So it was like cutting edge, you know, and I went home and I stopped by my friend Brent's house. Also another person I could have got HIV from. And he was always thought to be like a narc or something. You know what I mean? Hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm at home in two weeks and somebody was staying at my house to keep my eye on the house. Cause it was a pretty cool house that I renovated. And I no sooner turned on my street and I did nothing wrong. And all of a sudden six cop car lights were behind me. And I was like, what? They raided my house and they found $4,000 in cash. This guy upstairs, you know, pulling his, you know, his old friend, you know, and I had to sit there while they turned in every pocket of every pair of pants, dumped out every drawer, opened every cushion, every glass, everything was everything in a three bedroom bungalow house. I mean, with a full basement of like gay man collectibles, you know what I mean? Of everything you can imagine. Everything, my whole personal life had been gone through and I took no charges, but I had to move within 30 days because that's the law in Ohio. Like it's a, it was considered a trafficking house. So the landlord either had to evict me or surrender the house to the city and then they would evict me. So I had to move. My parents came down to help me. Now is when I was getting sick and I didn't know it. Mm. So I was trying to bundle up my house. You know, I'm talking refrigerators, freezers, toys, bikes, beds, couches, pictures, frames, art, you know, everything in a wardrobe that does not stop still to this day, you know, and we had a U-Haul rocks, even the garden rocks out front. Like I had taken them from everywhere. They're big rock. It was gorgeous, gorgeous. I wanted the rocks. I was taking everything with me. You know, I didn't <laughs> care. It's happening. I do not care. And so I needed the U-Haul a couple of days longer. And my mom and dad did not find that to be okay. Jenny. And so my mom came down with their family friend, Skip and my brother, Mark, or my brother, Jimmy, and they took their car back. They took the U-Haul back, which had nothing in it, mind you, because I can't, how do I load a refrigerator by myself? You know what I mean? They helped not at all. And then I was super bitter towards my family. Now I had nowhere to go. I had all this property that I was going to either have to lose, surrender, or figure it the fuck out. The drug dealer friend came to the rescue and we got, I would say most of everything. You know what I mean? I'm, if I'm missing something, I don't remember you know, whatever. And I came home and I wasn't allowed to move in with my parents, which is the house they live in now. So my whole life, we were poor. I grew up in a house that had four rooms, not four bedrooms, four rooms. I mean, a living room, a kitchen, a bedroom, and a kitchen, you know, four rooms in a back room and three dogs and two brothers and a handicapped uncle and my mom and my dad, you know, and, and we made it work. And that's why I love my family. Cause I remember being close, close tight knit quarters and not being killing each other. Now we're, you know, three miles apart and we want to stab each other. You know, <laughs> it's so different than when I was a kid, you know, and it breaks my heart. But that said, they bought this house now. It's like $105,000. It's in, a, you know, the neighborhood. And my parents worked their ass off to get here. You know what I mean? And I'm so proud of them for that. And that's why I won't leave my parents. That's why I won't walk away from the things that frustrate me, that make me cry, that get me upset, you know, because they've done everything for me and they've sacrificed everything. And I fought for my dad and I'll fight for my mom, you know, that's that. And so... I had to move in my sister-in-law, which was now my ex-sister-in-law, my brother divorced mm-hmm. and he let me move in. And then she had an issue with my dog pooping in the house, like whatever. 
I applied for a job at Kalahari. It's like a water indoor water park. And they just used me for like the holiday, like November, December, and then literally fired me like on December 31st. And I was mm-hmm. like, are you kidding me? So my first piece of like corporate success where I was a manager in a restaurant and this you know place, and I was happy, you know, I was proud of myself. And I looked to, I'll let you see a picture of that. I mean, I was like, I can't believe I looked at myself and didn't realize I was sick. Like, that's how bad I looked. And I thought it was because I was working a lot. I thought because I was sad. I just moved home. I was under a lot of stress. Never did I. I've never had a symptom of HIV ever. Wow. So you go through seroconversion, which is where it's binding to your DNA, you know? And so you, your white blood cells are being, one of the seven of them is being attacked. You know what I mean? And being programmed to not be successful at the war, you know? And so that's why your immune system breaks down. So I don't know why. And if I did... I'm not one to ever get sick ever. Like I never have flu. I never have colds, nothing, headaches, just headaches. So I tried to work things out with my parents and it didn't work. And then it did work. You know what I mean? Like sooner or later, whatever, whatever it was that I said to my father, because my mother and I would not speak. And I've always spoken to my mother, like thicker than thieves. And I I did not want nothing to do with that vicious bitch. And that was one of my words. And they're still used to me to this day. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, but I'm a vicious bitch. Yeah, you are, you know, but I'm an adult and that's how I felt. And it was warranted, you know, I, yeah. I'm your son, you know, and it's all forgiven or whatever. But so I spoke to my dad right where I'm sitting right now, actually it's the exact same spot. I was allowed to move in and I had nothing. I remember it was being a futon and I didn't want to be a problem, you know, none of that. So I kind of just stayed to myself and I was still, still, oh no, I wasn't really doing drugs because I didn't get them because I was in a new town at home. You know, I'm not going to run around being a drug addict here, but I still had them occasionally. So I had a migraine that, would split the world. And I don't know if you've ever had a migraine like that. Like I'm talking light, sound, movement, air flow, everything. So I went to the doctor for a physical on like, say the 5th of April or something like that. And I was fine, fine. But he didn't do blood work, which is okay. You know, but I was there for, I haven't seen him in 20 years as my doctor, you know, didn't do blood work. And I had a neck ache, whatever, didn't feel well. He just said like, he thought probably had like the flu or something. I was like, okay, you know, the 13th, 13th, 14th and 15th of April, I went to the ER every night for projectile vomiting. And I couldn't, I couldn't stay awake. If you gave me a million dollars, like I just wanted to lay down. My head hurt so bad. I hadn't eaten in in days. And so I got up on the 15th night and I walked to the, to the kitchen, which is just, it's like a rectangle house, you know what I mean? Straight shot. Mm. And I went to the kitchen and I started to pour milk and I took milk and I took the glass, here's the glass, here's the milk. And I poured it and the milk was going all over the floor of my parents, $105,000 house that they just bought. So you know what I'm thinking in my head? Oh my fucking God. You know what I mean? Like, what am I doing? So my dad says, what the fuck are you doing? And it's like, I'm getting milk. I thought it was going in the glass still, not even just like kind of remotely off. I thought it was in the cup. Right. Like my perception was so whacked out. So he said, go back to bed. I will bring you in the milk. And so I went back and I bounced off the corner of the doorway, the cabinet, the TV, the TV stand, the table, the couch, the chair, the table, the couch. She mean, all the way, ping pong. I, boom, boom. I couldn't even like walk. I stopped at the bathroom door and I threw up like, and again, projected out in the toilet, made it from four feet away. And then I walked two more steps and I fell on my bed. The next thing I know is I'm getting into an ambulance and I have no idea what's going on. Like no clue why these two very large men, it was like an alien abduction. That's what I can right, right now as I'm telling it, like, that's what it was like. Cause I just thought I was in bed trying to get some milk, you know what I mean? Trying to get right. some bread, whatever. And now these two, you know, good looking guys, I'm like, Oh, I said, how are you going to get me in there too? You know, me, me and me, how are you going to get me in there? You know? And the guy said, if you keep talking to me like that, you're not going to go nowhere. And I was like, okay. You know, and I just shut up. So the next time, next thing I knew, I think that that's when I, 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 
left my body and went to my own my own planet and, and universe and met God and all that. And next time I woke up, I was above my body and I heard the doctor was telling my parents that if he, if I lived through the night, it would be a miracle. And I thought from above, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> you mean, I can't let my mother lose a baby. She, that woman has been through hell and back like my life. My mom's been through it too, you know? And I, I negotiated with the energy sources of God, you know what I mean? And it wasn't my time. And for my reasons of being here for love, I can't abandon my mother if I'm here for love. I mean, that's not a sign of love. I'm going to fight no matter what I got to do. You know, and my mom and I are very close, always been that way. And I just am purely about love and spreading that to people and helping and, and being that person. And so God put me back in this body. And I woke up to a Russian nurse saying, you have a very sick young man. You have a heart infection, a lung infection, a brain infection. You had six strokes and you have AIDS. Nothing processed to me except for the six strokes. I wanted huh. to know if I was going to be able to walk, if I was going to have a droopy face, if I was going to, you know, be, if I, could I even move, like, does she know I'm hearing her right now? <laughs> like, do you want some vodka? Like what's going on? There was no Russian nurse that works in that hospital. Wow. And it was Russian. It wasn't like an accent. It was straight Russian. And I'm like, so weird. So I woke up, you know, and they were taking me to an MRI, which, you know, that back, that would have been in 2016, you know, that whoa, 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 whoa of an MRI literally wanted me, to, I wanted to die. Like I, it was awful. They pushed me from the gurney bed into a wheelchair where they wrapped my head with blankets and towels because if you grazed my head, it hurt so much. I would throw up. Mm. It was, my brain was swollen to the capacity of my skull. So if you look at picture, I just made a video yesterday because I spent the day with my mom. Like I did the day I got out of the hospital. My, my head looks like that. You know what I mean? It's, my, it's literally, it's was awfully painful to this day. I can feel fibers of lights pulsing. I can feel energies. I can see sound. I am so blessed that when God put me back here, he gave me the capacity to know that we're not alone. You know what I mean? There's better things and there's more beautiful things and you just have to listen to them, you know, and it may be your gut and it might be your heart, but you've got to figure out which one leads you to the right way. You know what I mean? For you, a lot of people are logic. A lot of people are emotions, you know, whatever it is, that's what God is. And so I'm here for some reason, God knows I can't take another stressful fucking thing, you know, <laughs> so I, I can't, you know, and I haven't even gotten into the past two years yet. You know what I mean? Like that. Right was awful. So I woke up then. So they had to get medicine air made and it was from radioisotopes in Detroit, Michigan, had to have a helipad dropped onto our hospital, you know, and delivery helicopter and then administered to me. The minute the needle hit my arm with the medication, my brain could have lysed. So when he said, made it through the night, he meant six hours. So the minute that medicine got there, they're going to administer it. So they didn't start treating me for HIV for maybe a year probably because I had cryptococcal meningitis. So like that was the survival rate of that is like less than 1%. So now I've had six strokes, but surviving one stroke is one thing, six of them, you know? And so I had to rehabilitate my body because I had complete atrophy. I was in a nursing home for two or a ICU for two months and then a nursing home for two weeks. And that was an experience at not even 40, you know what I mean? Almost 40, like 39 and a half. So I turned 40 years old being HIV positive, AIDS, less than 3% of people who've survived AIDS. Do you know what I mean? Like it's most people have died of AIDS. If they get that diagnosis, you know, that's very limited time. Cause you, what My, you said, once you hit AIDS, right. You don't ever go out of AIDS, right? So <laughs> correct. Correct. So 
you have, you get HIV, which breaks your immune system down. So it's kind of like how diabetes works with your sugar. Do you know what I mean? It's just something that doesn't work, you know, whatever. And so on paper, because it took so long to acknowledge the existence of HIV, so many people were infected that it went from HIV to, oh, we think this is AIDS. Do you know what I mean? Like this has to be like this other, oh my God, like terror. And it is, don't get me wrong, but it hadn't been identified yet. Ronald Reagan didn't talk about it yet for four years. So people were still getting infected, you know, and it was in down low communities in, in the South, you know, it was in the gay communities in the East and the West. It was in Africa. It was in Ethiopia. You know, it was everywhere, just like something we're going through right now, but we jumped on it. You know, we right, jumped on COVID, right. even if we don't think that we handled it well, we handled it very well. Everybody did. And they're still right, handling right. it very well. Wear a condom, wear a mask. You know what I mean? Like, it's not hard to take responsibility for life. If you know, it's a possible thing to happen to you. You know, I should have been tested. I should have known those things. People should have been informed. So when you go into AIDS, it is, it was considered that your immune system will never recoup. Like, so my immune system was zero. There was not a blood cell, a white blood cell in my body that was viable to replicate, to become anywhere near what it should in a reading of tests. So a test should be like normal would be between three to 500 to 1500. That could be depending on your race, because, you know, African-Americans do field work, you know, and they're culturally genetically evolving, not anything bad, you know, same with, you know, Chinese people and Spanish versus a white person who sits in an office all day for the past 300,000 years, you know what I mean? So ours is between, you know, like five and 800. So they told me my immune system would never get over 500. I went to the doctor who's our coroner too. And I was told it was Christmas time and just for a checkup that I should not ever touch anything while I'm out. Because if I touch something, I could get a germ that could kill me. Wow. Once again, think what we're living in now. Do you know how I feel right now about things? <laughs> you know, I'm, it's, I've been doing this for seven years, girl. I got this. I mean, I can open a door with my pinky, you know, <laughs> my eyes, like, you know, right. I just, you know, I, I Lysol and I hand sanitize, I wash, you know, whatever it is and change the clothes every day. And, you know, I get home from a hospital, I take my clothes off, you know, I was doing a lot of drug work, you know, and everywhere I would go, when I'm going to someone's home, I came home and changed my clothes, you know, like it just didn't, I didn't know, I didn't care. So. I made it through all that. I had 14 spinal taps. So an epidural, 14 of them, you know, to get my fluids correct. And that needle is longer than, you know, mother's arm, you know, and I had them all. I, and I then got, maybe it was four years into it where I no longer had to take the cryptococcal meningitis medication, which is like fluconazole and, you know, everything else that is a hope it works kind of pill versus the medicine they were making and dropping on a helipad. And that was for the meningitis, not the AIDS or anything. For the meningitis, right. But that's what put me into the category of AIDS. So AIDS is just like a syndrome, just like you're pre-diabetic and then you're diabetic. You have HIV, you have AIDS, you know, and something else will take your life. So HIV makes your immune system low, weak, fail, and then you get to have, you know, a secondary opportunistic virus. So COVID would have happened in 85 further. Everybody that had HIV would have died from COVID. There's no mm. question. James, no question to me at all. So the similarities in, in all of the experience of it and the rumors and the conspiracy theories, it, it's so parallel to HIV, which I lived through. I'm 45. It started in 89. I lived through it. I remember it. I remember Ryan White. I remember all of it and being scared of it. Yep. I remember yep. fearing that that would happen to me. And if I called it into existence in life, I don't know Jimmy, if I just was reckless or if it's my fate if it's to teach me whatever I need in this life, you know. I, 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 remember, um, I remember the ambulance being followed to the hospital, Ryan White. Like I remember it clear as day, you know, watching 
my God, why are they following this ambulance? This kid's got some terminal virus going to eat the world, you know, like it was crazy to me. And then the Red Cross, you know, redid their restrictions on, on bloodborne pathogens. And then we had, you know, now universal precautions and all those things have, have changed because of HIV, you know, in the world and it's become a better place. So, you know, for the most part, AIDS will never go backwards because it's just a condition on paper. So I have HIV. I was diagnosed with end stage AIDS. So I never was diagnosed with HIV. I mean, I have HIV, but I went right to end stage AIDS. Got so it. it was the secondary opportunistic virus it was going to take my life because he has no immune system. We've gotten better at identifying everything. So now I knew it was HIV. So they have, you have to build up your H, your CD4 count, which is the warrior boss of your immune system. You know what I mean? That go attack that germ. You know, I had zero somewhere. My last spinal tap, they had one white blood cell, one literally. And then it's documented in my medical records, one white blood cell detected like one, how does one become 638 as of my blood work a couple of days ago, 638. Wow. I was told it will never get over 500 and it's at 638. That is amazing. Medicine, science, determination, work, God, faith, belief, love, and prayer. Like and that, TikTok. I'm sorry. And TikTok family. It is, you know, it, I mean, I'm telling you, yeah. I'm telling you that video that I made, I was sitting right here and, and then I was the one at the tattoo parlor. And I, I'm just telling you the truth. Every time I get my blood work done, I feel this way every time it's never going to change until next month when I get into the clinical study for the cure. That's it. You know what I'm saying? Like that's when it's going to change, but I do get that upset about it because I don't want to get you sick from my sexual escapades because they're crazy. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I want to know where I'm at with my health. Just like if your blood sugar was high, you would want to know. So I have great doctors. I have a team of doctors, neurosurgeons, doctors, psychologists, psychiatrists, counselors, you know what I mean? Everything at, that helped me get better. In the hospital, I want to make sure I say this because it's, it's a great way to, people need to get tested. It's scary. It's scarier when you don't. Yeah. You know, like if that's one piece of wisdom, it's scarier if you don't. There's, there's nothing going to happen to you until you almost die from HIV. Like literally you're not going to look different, feel different, smell different, act different. Nothing is going to be different in your body until your body is so weak. It can't do anything for itself, you know, because you didn't get tested and you're ultimately going to get tested against your will or your knowledge and, you know, be in my shoes. So it's something that you need to do responsibly. And even if you're in a monogamous relationship, it's, you really know what your husband's doing all the time, 24 seven, you might, it could be a drug problem. It could be a, a, you could be a nurse, it could be a needle prick, you know, whatever it is you need to know. And so I, I, I've done my best to follow my protocol from my doctors to educate myself. And when I was in the hospital, it was literally day three of the medicine. And I, this woman walked in and she had a, a lazy eye and she was overweight and not totally put together. You know what I'm saying? And she opens up a file folder and she was like, I'm, I'm Sam from Equitas, the aid, you know, HIV AIDS, you know, resource basically. And I looked at my mom and I said, get that bitch out of my room. And it's the only time I've ever denied to myself that anything was wrong. And yeah. I think it was more like all these people were coming at me and they wanted to help me and provide for me. And like, where the fuck were you when I was on drugs and crying and screaming from mountaintops? Now, all of a sudden, now that I'm dying, you want to be my best friend, brother, bring me coffee every day, you know, cause it helps with the, the headaches, you know, the caffeine, it, whatever it was. Sam no longer works with uh, the Ryan White program, which is what that program is. So it went from mm -hmm. Ryan White program to 
the AIDS Research Center of Ohio, Illinois, whatever it was, to Equitas Health, which is now, I think it's pretty much, you know, the United States, but it might be a different name somewhere, you know, it's all funded by, you know, Ryan White's mom who went and stood up to the government and stood up to, you know, publications and doctors and offer a kid to go to school, you know, because it's what he wanted. All I want is people to know that I'm not viral. I'm a cry, if I could cry, sorry. <laughs> like there's nothing wrong with me and I'm such a good person. And the things that people say to me are so ugly. And so there's a special place in hell. And you know what I mean? Like I have to go tell everybody my, my health, but you don't, and you don't even know if you have it. So I'm now I'm punished for knowing my status. Like that's ridiculous. You know what I mean? I can go get a job anywhere I want. And I don't have to tell you my status, but I go and I try to hook up with somebody. And I got to tell them my status, you know, or I can go to prison. Like that's, I'm not a weapon. I'm not a weapon. You know what I mean? I didn't ask for it. I had no idea where it came from. I can guarantee pretty much I'm certain that it came from some manipulation somewhere, either drugs or intoxication and all those things. So poor choices. It it changed my life that day from meeting Sam forward. And I read my clinical report six months after, you know, because they, they have to redo it every six months. So that's my Medicaid. So I'm on full disability. I can never work again because if I touch something, I can die. <laughs> I'm like the bubble boy on the earth. Like every, you know I mean, I just got to not do things. So I, I try really hard to stay active. I've tried to use my biology degree in the sense of when a baby is born, it has to absorb germs to build its immune system. Mm-hmm. So I thought if I don't have an immune system, why don't I try to teach my body to have an immune system? You know, not, not go crazy licking, you know, poles, yeah. but like, you know, like slowly, you know, get my strength back. I couldn't pick up a 20 pound bag of dog food at Sam's club at all. I didn't know enough thing. I was, it was terrible. It was terrible. I got healthy and I walked out of that hospital and I said, I will, this is just a point of like life today. So t- tomorrow's the day my dad went to the hospital. So it's like an emotional, this is a really great day. We're having this conversation. So when I walked out of that hospital, the same spot that I walked out and I said to the world, I will never be stigmatized for this. I am done being bullied. I'm done being your bitch. I'm done by having something told me I'm not enough. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of always being told I'm not enough. And now I'm extra. You know what I mean? Now, wait a minute. Where's the middle line? Do you know what I mean? I'm not getting in a lane on a highway you built. Get the fuck off. There's your exit. You know, I'm going to own the highway. I want to be able to be me. I want you to be you. And I guarantee you the world will be better. People will be happier. Things will flourish. If you've just realized that nobody has to be in a lane because that person might be the next Picasso, but you're telling me he's got to be a math tutor. You know what I mean? It's let people explore their life and don't make it about money. Don't make it about everything has to be so cohesive and done and structured and, and bullshit. Do you know what I mean? Every single thing from politics to marriage to all what's wrong with, I'm not saying the free love theory because I believe in marriage and stuff, but like what's wrong with having conversation with people now? Do you mean going out and and having dialogue and getting to know somebody before you have sex with them? Or even if you do then then still keeping them in your life, because remember that heart thing when we were kids, you rip a piece of the heart off and give it to somebody and give it to somebody else. And then you have like that little bit of your heart. Like that's what I have 2,700 people I slept with. Do you know what, how much of a piece of paper I have shaped like a heart? (laughs) (laughs) Not very much left, you know, whoever's going to get that last piece of, of my heart, which is so huge still really needs to show me they deserve it. Me. And that means with my imperfection of a disease that might kill you because it's a death sentence. It's not a death sentence, but it's social suicide. It was social suicide by me coming completely out, out in the public saying, Hey, I have AIDS. Yeah. You know, I've had people cover their drink at dinner. I've had people not sit next to me. I've had people not hug me. I've had people say the ugliest things you can imagine. 
you know what I mean? All on basically rumor. Because <laughs> if I didn't tell them where we're having a conversation of intellect and knowledge, you were told by somebody who told you, oh, I can't tell you. What the fuck? Right. And then I created, I created a nonprofit called Positive Outreach. So my name is everywhere. Positive Outreach, put it together with a cross. Do you know what I mean? Like red, you know, what more can I do? So I, I did my best to look at who was broken and then talk to them about why they're broken. Not their drug addiction, not their bad parenting, not their court cases, but what broke them. Where were they at fifth grade when they had that little Kim girl that they had a crush on that started getting told who they were that broke them because they didn't meet the standards and the criteria of other people's demands on them. Just tell me what broke you, Meredith? Do you know what I'm saying? It's not that you were broken, but you were redefined by someone else for some fucked up reason in their head that they're not even here taking any accountability for it anymore. And you're still living the dream of hell where you're not enough. Right. I, I, I couldn't do that. And so every single person I helped, I lost two, 302 people I helped and two of them died. And they were white girls, one from the rich end and one from the poor end, you know, and it was heroin. And, you know, both were relapse situations, both with fentanyl, you know, all those things. And it broke my heart. Like those girls, Chelsea, her birthday is coming up. Her, uh, she passed away on the 28th of February. And then my dad died away on March 11th, you know, like a year later. But, you know, Laura was this girl who, I mean, literally her mother would put drugs in her hand and then Ooh. call me and be like, Laura's all fucked up again. And I'm like, and we got Laura great. I mean, so good. She was so, so good. She was beautiful. She got beautiful again, you know, and she's going to go get her high school diploma. And she was like right there. And she got on a, you know, like you get a break from rehab or whatever. So she was out of rehab into the sober living in the front house. She just wanted to go see her mom. It wasn't to get high. Cause I was a very close relationship with her. So it wasn't that, but she had to go out of the house for two days. Cause they tried to reintegrate you or whatever. And her mom put weed in her hand. She never went back to the, the house, you know, and six months later she, she died. And tragically, you know what I mean? Like where they found her like not in the, a normal body position with, you know what I mean? Like not a Laura habit, you know what I'm saying? Like whatever it was. And Chelsea was a girl who was, her family's beautiful and her, she has two boys and just was always that girl trying to be that next perfect volleyball player, yeah. princess, you know what I mean? And secret life, you know, whatever. And I learned from every single person that I helped that my broken is nothing more than a sliver of my mirror. You know what I mean? Like that's every piece is, it makes me, me. And if it's a scar from being gay bashed, or if it's a zit from my acting at 45, or whatever it is, you know, you have, you have such power in your voice for other people. And I'm not trying to fix anybody. I'm just trying to talk to you about, it's okay. It's okay. It's yeah. not okay to be okay. You know, it's none of that crap. No, it's not okay to not be okay. You're supposed to be okay all the time, but don't think happiness is like this cloud that you live in forever. And it's bliss because a happiness is a concept for one second of time, whatever it is, the birth of a baby. Okay. Talk to me for the next 16 years, how happy you are. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm just saying, and I don't have kids, but bonding and relationships and people's words and your integrity and your dignity. And so I, I started get as I was getting better and I was going to these like drug addiction meetings for girls with heroin and all that, the the ego fluffer wound up having opportunity before him for money and body brokering. And I found out about it and girls in the group got gonorrhea, like five of them and three of them are in rehab that he works at. Like, wait a minute, how is this not wait a second, you know, and the gay guy, they're telling me. So I exposed him, shot a Netflix documentary because one of the girls in the group that went very first girl I met in helping anybody was raped by his best friend, they were having a, a, excuse my mouth, a pussy contest. And then they put her in rehab. And so 60 days later, 
they don't have any DNA. They don't have no anything but her word. So I took her to the, well, she, she, we decided she we would go to the police. Right. But the meeting, she, we were at a meeting and she said, secrets can kill. And I have something to say. And so she said it to the whole group. And then all these other girls came forward and two of them, five of them came forward. Two of them were lying or changed their story or backed out. And then two girls went to trial, which was happened just at the beginning of my TikTok career. And I make a couple of videos about it. He was found not guilty on all counts. And I can tell you as sure as I am sitting in front of you, he did it. Like I, I can guarantee you that I watched documentaries being made of different girls. You know what I mean? Being the body broker part of it. I mean, not even this situation, but then there's two girls from the same city and all these things. So I've done everything I can do to help. And he has recently been arrested again for it again. Yeah. You know, like there's fire. a judicial system once again. You know, it's so not fair. So I continue to help people. I've done food pantry work. I've done, you know, help people with getting their kids back or just counseling and just guiding them. Just, I mean, what's my education? Life, dude, like life. Like, I'm not saying I'm right, but I can help you in the smallest way of thinking about something differently or giving your mom that forgiveness that she deserves because she's your mom. You know what I mean? Even though you think she's a vicious bitch, do you mm. know what I mean? That's your first day being your mom today. You know what I mean? At 45 years old, it's my first day being my mom's 45 year old son on February 9th. You know, like it's, I'm not going to be perfect at it every day. I'm going to get tired. I'm going to be worn out. I'm going to be depressed. I'm going to, you know, give up and I'm going to get right back up. You know, I have no other mm. choice. So I have, tried my hardest to help in any way I can for whatever reason it is. If I see it or I don't hear it, but I know it, I still go to it. Like I just do that with HIV. My dad gets COVID and my mom married for 52 years is not allowed to go up and see him in a hospital. Oh, hell no. No. So I fought the VA. I fought Medicaid, fought the board, the hospital. And I won every time I got my mom up there with my dad. And I got me up there to bring him like a milkshake and some booties for his feet because they were dry. And, you know, and I had conversations with my dad and, and it was awesome. It was a blessing from that energy source of God that I negotiated with. You know what I mean? Like my mom has bladder cancer. My dad now gets COVID, you know, it's, it's so crazy. I'm the baby drug addict loser of the family. And I'm the one that's stepping up in the fiercest way possible. And so I'm, I'm going to get something right now. So I went to my pharmacist, that girl I went to, I told you about Kim, you know, mm -hmm. from like third grade. So there's another girl named Lynn and Lynn's my pharmacist and Lynn's co-pharmacist's name is Laura. Laura and Lynn make sure I have my medicine every month, which is not a big deal seven years later, but seven years ago to get, you know what I mean? On the shelves of, you know, Sandusky, Ohio, you know, medicine that's $4,000 to sit on a shelf for people who don't get tested for HIV. You know what I'm saying? So I, it's there every month. And so I have the entire time I've been sick with HIV from prescription one to the ones I picked up two days ago, I have kept. So there are all of my prescriptions. I know exactly how much money I'm worth in medicine. I know how much money I'm worth in doctor bills and care, Medicare, Medicaid, dental, everything. And so it's, I mean, I don't know if you can really see them. Mm -hmm. Like it's crazy. And it's, it's, it's well over, you know, $2 million in medicine. Then you have everything else. They did like the MRIs and the CAT scans and the, yeah. you know, everything and the blood work for a COVID test in January of last year was $1,500. I have a bill from the hospital. It says $1,500. So everybody in the world is charged $1,500 at some point. You know what I mean? How much money is that in big pharmaceutical money? Do you know what I mean? So I called it out. So how did I get to the hospital? So I went down to Laura and I said, Laura, 
I know your husband is the board president and I, I, my dad's dying and I know it. I could feel it Meredith. And I know your energies and stuff. Like I, I felt it happening on February 9th. I made a video that I don't want to ever lose my parents. They're such great people. I took a picture of my dad in June in front of his Corvette. I made that video. I played Lady Gaga's thousand doves, that picture and that song were in his funeral. And I Mm. did not even put it together at the time. Do you know what I mean? At all. It was, it's been so surreal to me to be present at that moment that I feared my whole life at that moment. My dad died in front of my eyes. I mean, that's the most beautifully painful thing I think can happen. I'm so glad I was there, but it's not something that will ever leave my face, you know, and my brothers and I don't get along and I'm seeing my mom age and your partner 52 years, you know, and it's, it's so much. And I'm going to change the world with being the first cured person of HIV. You know what I mean? Because I talk about it on TikTok, which led me to an epidemiologist, which led me and my doctor to find out that the clinical trial is going to start sometime in 2022, which led me to the 15th of January, which has actually turned out to be the 18th of January, which happened to be me submitting all of my lab work for a CD4 count that was never going to be over 500 to be now six months in a row over 500, which it needed to be two times to be part of the study. Wow. So hopefully I'll be chosen nine people. They're choosing nine people. And I, I just think I know I will be, I don't care if universe, I deserve it. And maybe I'm not allowed to say that. I'm saying it. I'm saying I've never asked for anything. You know, I sit here and I humbly do everybody's bidding. I do their work. I, I pick up their pieces. I put their mirror back together. I, you know, get them new shiny things and make them feel great about themselves. And I share how broken and tragic I am. And I, I don't go to bed with anybody at night. I don't get a hug every day except for like my mom, you know, like I don't have good friends. I don't, all those things, but how many people's lives I've changed just through TikTok alone. Right. How many people have come to me with fear of thinking they have HIV? What do they do? Where do they go? What can they do? Or I put my, I put my boyfriend in prison because he gave me HIV and he didn't. I don't agree with that. I'm sorry. I don't agree with it. I'm not going to say I agree with it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like he probably didn't know who gave it to him. And then you just, you, I don't think you criminalize a virus period. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. just, did you know, did you not know, did the person who gave it to me? Did they know? Cause can I go back and get them and put them in prison? What's it going to do? Nothing. You know what I mean? To me, it's silliness. It's just, it's a waste of human space and prison. It's just a waste, you right. know? So I, I said to Jim, you know, that was Laura's husband. I brought all these prescriptions to him. And I said, this is what your wife does for me. I'm sure you can do something for my dad. And she sees thousands of patients for medicine. Jim you know I mean? and she, the pharmacists are smart people. You know what I mean? Granted, it's all programmed and says, you know, interactions, but they're not dumb, you know? And so he went and he got my mom up there, my brother's up there, me up there. And in the middle of the pandemic, when you were watching on the news, people talking to their grandmas through nursing home blasts, we were, we were holding my dad's hand. You know, and if, if that's what HIV gave me, then that's, that's okay. You know what I mean? Like my dad is a amazing man and my mom was an amazing woman. Like I don't want them to die alone. I don't want anybody to die alone because I remember being in that hospital when I had nothing, you know what I mean? Like days before nobody wanted me. You know I mean, I was garbage, you know, trash, dirty, whatever. Oh, there's another word I hate, you know, it's, it's about loving each other and it's about family and Maybe it's not, you know, I always say this about my brother's wives. They ain't no kin of mine. They're not my kin. They're not, I, not that I don't love them. They're just not my kin. They're children, maybe, you know, if you're going to act right. You know what I'm saying? Like, but but how, how, much of my, how much of myself do I have to continue to give to people who hurt me versus people who let me help them and love me for it, even if it's just that moment of time? 
or if it's people that come back five years from now and say, oh, I'm so glad that you're better. You look great. I went out last night for the first time in two years and people were like, you look great. Oh my God. Like, and I'm like, oh, like, I was like blushing, like a little school kid, you know, I just want everybody to know, you know, HIV is, is how do you fix 40 years of an inaccurate knowledge base that was shoved down your throat that was false. Mm-hmm. Then they make medication now, antiretrovirals, which is, it stops one of those three ways HIV goes in your body. And you have to find the right medication combination. I'm on two of them, which is why my meds are $5,000 a month. You know, they call it prep. That's HIV medicine. They're taking HIV medicine for not having HIV to prevent it. And they're calling it prep. What's the difference that I'm taking it then? What's the difference? Cause I had a brain infection. Do you know what I mean? Like the manipulation and the, the lack of compassion for just different marginalized, you know, communities within the gay community, the black community, the down low black community, the drag queens, transgender people, the drug addicts. Do you know what I mean all of those, all every HIV touches every single thing, every person, every color, every creed, do you know? And it, it, it doesn't touch one select group of people. And that's people who have like a CCR five, something like that genome, which it is the, their genes just happen to be aware that HIV is a virus. And so they're immune to it. So there is, that is a true thing. That's interesting. It's, it's literally like a minuscule amount of people in, in the world. So that also has helped add to this CRISPR technology where in, in my education and my hopes and my beliefs as strong as they are, will be the cure. It will be the cure. It's $1.5 million to make one of these nine shots. So that's literally like $13 million for nine shots. Hopefully that it works. If it doesn't, this, the pharmaceutical company will go out of business. It will be done. It, it, it is putting everything it has on its technology of wow. this CRISPR technology, which is mRNA, which is where COVID's vaccine came from. Yep. So it will go in. It's called scissor technology, CRISPR technology. It go. They give me a shot. One, one, $1.5 million in my arm can, can take in mind that $1,500 COVID test. I just told you about, right. this is literally now everybody's been vaccinated, vaccinated again and boosted. You know what I'm saying? Like this is, this is something that needs to, for all the people that died of AIDS. And I mean, Philadelphia story AIDS. Do you know what I mean? I didn't get lesions, but I had a brain skull that looked like I was an alien. I had, you know, complete atrophy. I had stigmatization. I lost people that I, I, thought would always be my friends, you know, and just placated me or showboated me or, you know, just acted whatever it was. I helped so many people and they act like it didn't matter, you know, and then push comes to shove. It matters because they're miseducated. It, it, I don't feel any different. I don't look any different. I don't, I mean, for 45 years old, having end stage AIDS, I look pretty damn good. In my opinion, <laughs> I'm saying like I date me, you know, and my heart is in the right spot and whatever I have to do to help you teach your children to wear a condom, to make love to people, not just go fucking everything that walks to, you know what I mean? To, if you're going to use drugs, I don't want you to do it, but do it responsibly. You know, I want you know, period. Like that's, that's the humanity thing. You know what I mean? Like there you're always, we're always going to have some new problem of culture, places, religion, discrimination, hatred, always, it's always going to be there. It's the way energy works. You know what I mean? And not everything is just all positive ions. You know, it can't be, it's impossible. We know that from everything we know, you know, right. like you go from knowing nothing to knowing something because you put in the work, you know, 
everything has to come with an accountability factor to it. And, you know, now you can't teach critical race theory in school. You can't teach, you know, sex ed in school. You can't teach. Some girl asked me basically like how I got HIV. She had no idea how I got HIV. Well, that's three ways, sister. You know what I mean? But, and people were attacking her for being like ignorant and dumb. And so I messaged her and I said, I'm going to answer your video. I'm going to answer it with video. You know what I mean? And I did. And that's another video that has like, you know, 400,000 views. And I literally said, she didn't, maybe nobody told her she is 24 years old, has four babies, married her boyfriend in high school at 16 years old and now divorced. And she was honestly asking for knowledge, you know, and people just go and like lunge on somebody. Now they were trying to protect me and I get it and I appreciated it, but I try to answer things with delicacy. You know what I mean? Like you never know. Maybe they just dumb. Maybe they right. don't know. And right. now you have this whole world of look at right now in the news. It's all about the HIV vaccine. Like, have you even heard of the CRISPR technology and the cure for HIV? No, because it's not being said because the fucking there are going to be 32.7 million people coming at that pharmaceutical company. You know what I mean? Like I personally, I just happen to have charmed look and a platform. I didn't ask for any of this at all. Now I'm asking. Now I'm asking. I, I'm yeah. sorry that I don't, I, I don't want to be greedy and be like, okay, somebody else deserves it more. I'm 45. That's, I mean, I'm not going to die tomorrow. And I have to be in this study for 15 years. And I've never missed an appointment or a pill, you know, and I've been a good, a good human part of me, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I just don't, however they choose, I, they want me to move to Missouri, but that's not the criteria of the pharmaceutical company. So, you know, I'm going to challenge it. Like I'm going to challenge it straight up. But, you know, if, if I want to put my life on the line for that risk, I think I'm going to be world history. You know that like you're talking to world history right now. And I of think that I that's am. amazing. Of course you know, I, am. I mean, it's awesome. And it's scary. Like, what am I going to do? Grow a third eye or a tail? Like, no, like, I mean, they've tested this on apes and monkeys and mice and everything. So I'm confident in science. I'm confident that somebody needs to go out there that can speak in an articulate manner and not a scientist, not a doctor, but somebody who who's lived through this, you know? And cause I think HIV has everything to do with racism and discrimination and hatred and sexism and, you know, stigma and slander. And it just does. And religion. Well, everything, you know, every single thing and has, has either a world of compassion or a world of hatred. Like it's yeah. just, you know, I have so many people are, are my friends on TikTok are nurses. Like I would say 11,000 out of the 14,000 people are nurses, you know? And I, my two nurses that worked for me, those two months were to take care of me. Literally they switched shifts and they would work like one day and then another one come in for two days. And then one day, and because they want to make sure I was okay. And it wasn't that people were scared of me, you know, but this doctor walked in, he double gloved and it flipped me out. And these nurses were like, we can't let him be upset. You know, and I've had, I had such nice, kind, loving, caring people in the medical profession, but not the gay community. Yeah. It's so sad. You but know, I think, so I honestly think that like, with all of this, you know, telling your story and educating people, we're learning so much via TikTok by way of all of our accounts, right? We're, we're literally changing the world by bringing, like, we didn't even know what the word gaslighting was like a year ago. You know, like I talk oh to people God, all like, the time. Yeah. Right? What's the most overused word of 2021? <laughs> I swear is narcissism. Narcissism, narcissism <laughs> gaslighting. And also my, my daughter who's 13, she goes, oh my mom, God. if you watch TikTok, it's, it's, everybody has ADHD. It's fine, mom. <laughs> right, 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 right. I'm like, that is so on Everybody's middle-aged mom. Like, and everybody knows all the music that we grew up in. It's just crazy to me that there is this 
I don't know what the the government you know issue is with it. I don't know what their logarithm of its strictness is. You know what? I don't know of, understand all of that so specifically, other than protecting the younger from. But I think there's another dirty element there somewhere we just don't know about yet. With with it, I just think it's amazing that. I have to talk about sex and drugs without talking about sex and drugs. Right. <laughs> like every video I'm making, I'm talking about how I was either doing something dirty and nasty I shouldn't have been doing. You know what I mean? And people are getting that understanding. And then when I have to answer a question, I'm not lacking words. You know what I mean? Like right. it's it's crazy. And the engagement is is so hard. I'm sure, I don't know if you feel that way too. It's so hard to keep up on TikTok with the engagement. You yeah. know, if it's a, yeah. if it's an email or it's in a filter or if it's a, a message, a DM, you know, it's so hard because I literally, I formed friendships. I mean, you and I, I mean, I, and, and more so with other people, you know, yeah. I traveled yeah. the country and spread my dad's ashes, you know, from people from TikTok, you know, who wow. weren't scared that I had HIV. Guess where the study is going to be? Right where I went to spread my dad's ashes. How crazy is this, Meredith? You know, I love like, it. It's so, is that, is that serendipity? Is that what that is? The synchronicities, yeah. You know, it's my dad wanted to be spread, you know, sea to shining sea. And everyone in my family's like, no, he wants to be in an urn and put in a tomb. And I'm like, well, I'm taking my ashes and spreading them, you know? And I did. And I made friends and it took me to Kansas. And that's where I spread my dad's ashes. The studies in St. Louis, Missouri, you know, it's the epidemiologist I met through on here knew the day because his uncle died of HIV. So that he wanted to be a a virologist. So he's an epidemiologist in Colorado. It has all come. If I don't. Okay. So I always think this too. If my life were to end right now, what did I bring to the table? What did I bring to the table? If it's a conversation with God, like, I want you to be proud. I should have been proud of you. What are you proud? I'm proud of me. I'm proud of me because I've not let people beat me yet. I still get up every day. I may hate it. I may be in pain. I may hate life and every aspect of it, but I still get up and I still go try to help other people because where am I supposed to go? What, where, where? I know you don't know where you're going to land, you know, 10 years now, but like, I still don't know. Could you imagine if I became absolutely 100% healthy again at 45 years old after 10 years of stigma where people hate me and judge me? And now I'm perfectly healthy, good looking, smart, and world famous. <laughs> God help us all. <laughs> I'm supposed to have, right? I'm supposed to be like, oh, yeah, hi. No. <laughs> you know? So I want to use that and, and advance people's compassion and, and understanding and, and figure out how we can, I know, reel in our government and open our hearts and close our churches and, you know what I mean, restructure society to, to whatever it's supposed to be with a vibrating planet you know what I mean? and all these energy things. And, and that's another thing too, like the things that you see on TikTok like about energies and meta, meta, not manifesting and all those things are just, it's a new wave of knowledge that people yeah. are getting. And they're like, oh, I've been, a, how long have you been awoke? I've been awoke a while, right. me personally, a while. I've been ahead of the game. You know, and that that's that's worse than having HIV. When you know everything before everyone else knows and they're all calling you crazy or stupid or weird or, you know, whatever it is. And then now they're all like, oh, yeah, we're going to go to that manifestation party. You know what I mean? Bring your, you know, yoga mat. Like it's it floors me because it, it, it has hurt along the way with every trial, every piece of chaos, every struggle. I just wanted somebody to love me unconditionally. Well, I got to tell you, I love you. And I so appreciate you you being here and vulnerable and being on TikTok more than anything, because I know that you're changing lives. And I know that, you know, every time we share one of our stories and I am far from sharing as you do. I mean, I have a ways to go. Why, why do people think like, so, so I've always been this way. This is me. This is part of the awoke thing. I mean, this is just me. Once it was too much. Now it's extra, you know, whatever. Why? 
what are people scared of to share if they feel like they need to talk about something? I just think you should, Yeah, you know, yeah. But, but what, what is things that hold people back and what makes me, me about it? Like, I think everybody I has their, you know, their own comfortability, their own lane or their own timing. That's a probably even the better part of it. Their own timing of when yeah. they have worked through it enough. Because I think that when I see someone like you doing what you're doing and how you are sharing, you've done the work to get to the place where you can share it and fearlessly. So, you know, <sighs> I think that every time you share it, it, it allows you maybe that's your therapy. You know, I know a lot of people on right. TikTok and on social media, they consider talking through these things as their therapy, as you know what I mean? And, and walking through this with their friends on, you know, and people and followers and what affecting else? Affecting somebody else, affecting somebody else with me. Cause I'll tell you, I don't, it's always hard to go retell your story again. Oh, so on April 16th, 2016, I felt like, right. right. you know what I mean? It's so hard to be reiterating it because 14,000 people have already seen it 14,000 times. Right. Do you know what I mean? And, right. but if it reels in another person to be compassionate or understanding of whatever it is going through, I've not made any videos about COVID I, at all. Really, you know, my dad's yeah. journey, yeah. but you know, and like Hill Dabs, if you know her, that's the one that did the calculations. Her dad died the same time my dad did, you know, and then mm -hmm. uh, Isaiah, his mom died at the same time. So us three stick together so closely. And I know the other day, Hillary was having a rough day and I knew why, do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And you should know why I'm having a rough day this week. You know what I mean? Like if you pay attention to me and my, my blood work and all that, like I'm not allowing myself to find stress in this trial. I know that I will be selected. I'm not questioning it. I'm waiting for it to just that phone call, whatever hurdle it is put before me. I will overcome that hurdle too. I got through the rest of them, yeah. you know, and if that helps somebody with confidence and their, you know, divorce proceedings or their illness or their need for a new liver or whatever it is, I don't know how I motivate people. I don't, know how I'm inspiring. I don't, I mean, but I think that that's maybe what's the part of it is that I don't know. I don't right. want to know. Maybe that's the one thing in my life I don't want to know is what made me talkative, you know, well, or to own my emotions. Or, well, just keep being you, you know, and, but thank you so, so much wow. for being you. Thank you for being here. And thank you listeners for paying attention and, and tuning in and they everyone can find you on TikTok at Eugene West Jr. And it's J-R, not, not junior written out, Eugene West Jr. And then through there, and this will all be in the show notes, you can actually use his link tree to get to Instagram and YouTube and all these other different things. But on TikTok, it's Eugene West Jr. And I'm sure I will see you there later on today because that's well, where- yeah, no for sure. I, I want to make sure I say this too. So I, I also have like my hashtag. So it's like reverse HIV stigma or, you know, like my heart hurts is my dad's, but I also started my art exhibit. So I do a lot of art and I, people from TikTok have, have touched my pocket with yeah. buying my art. So for you, and I, you're going to say, you don't have to, I want to send you something, but I just want you, mm. it's like two or three colors that you like, so I can paint you something and send it to you because that, that's how I thank people. You know, I paint my emotions and, and they, I seriously do. And they turn out beautiful when I do. And, and you allowing me to be on your platform right now, this is your platform. I appreciate it. I'm so grateful. So I want to mail you something. So you have to send me your address, but um, like course, colors, I was going to paint this morning for you. And I was like, Oh, and I had the colors in my head and I'm like, I'm going to ask first. So, cause I always got to look nice in your house, you know, whatever. Well, if so, you're what are talking, your favorite colors? talking house, I would say pink and emerald green. 
and black and white and silver. I all love those. you. Okay, so in my head, I swear to you on my life, I wanted to do like a black base with like a white ribbon running through it and going like pink and green. I, yep. Those were the colors. And I don't know why. <laughs> and I love when I'm spot on. So they're upstairs. They're already made. And I was going to uh, paint like if you were cool, I was going to paint while I was talking to you. But I'm going to go do it when, now when I'm done. And I was like, I, she, you're a total pink girl. I'm total pink girl. (laughs) I love that so much. Well, thank you guys, everybody for listening today. Don't go anywhere. Eugene, I just want to touch base with you before you and I hang up, but thank you guys so much for listening. And I will be back here same time on Tuesday and go in the show notes to find Eugene and I'll see you next week. Spread love. Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect on a more personal level, head over to MeredithWillets.com we're on Instagram at Meredith with a Y for behind the scene footage and outtakes. Please subscribe and come back each week for more Meredith with a Y. Thanks again for listening. Cheers. Cheers.